All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Really excited for today's episode. I, I have a, a friend of mine on the show today that is uh, got a, a really eclectic background of experience, and I'm really excited for him to share kind of the journey that he's been on as it encourages you guys in walking out your calling and your mission. Um, but uh, as we kind of think through this, um, he, he started you know, uh, with an eclectic background of maybe uh, a TV personality uh, or excuse me, being on a reality show and, and um, you know, uh, doing some unique things and traveling the world for some <laughs> very unique experiences. I'll let him share some of this stuff, but all the while led him through into ministry and business and entrepreneurship and um, has an incredible wealth of information to share with us. So I could not be more excited for this episode. Welcome to the show, Chris Gravy. Hey, excited to be here, brother. Yeah, thanks so much for taking time. Um, for those guys that don't know you, um, give us a little rundown. Like, what what does life look like for you today? What, where did it start? You know, childhood, faith journey. Um, yeah, feel free to share as much as you'd like. Well, I've almost been married 15 years to my beautiful bride. Her name's Jenny. We've got five amazing kids. Never thought I'd have five, but uh, one son who's 13 and then five or four little girls that follow after that. A lot of our life is spent. We're not building businesses and podcasts and all that stuff. It's, you know, playing with my four-year-old and going to my son's baseball games. And so that's that's today. But um the story of Chris Graby. I grew up in a small town in Indiana, saw a lot of corn and cows growing up, wasn't really exposed to much of the world. You know, this was pre-internet. And so I, uh, yeah, I didn't know much about the world outside of that small little town. I experienced a lot of uh, divorce from my parents as a kid. I had four dads and three moms, which um, I think I look back on now and made me kind of resilient. I was in five elementary schools by fourth grade. And so it just kind of built to me a foundation of resiliency and flexibility. And, you know, I'm, and, you know, obviously a lot of growing that needed to happen in those seasons. And even after that, you know, some kind of things that had to be un, unwound, but, you know, and I did sports, I did, you know, all of the things in, that you do in a small town. I went to college and for about two and a half years and then realized that, the only thing I was good at is being the social chair of my fraternity and throwing parties. So, <laughs> so, you know, it was time for me to leave. And so I took up on an adventure and I left the cornfields of Indiana and I moved to California. I had an aunt that lived there. She said, I got a bed for you if you want it. And I said, bring it on. Moved out to California and it started this kind of wild ride for me. I lived in California and Chicago and Massachusetts, worked on my family. I had some family had a tobacco farm in Massachusetts, worked on that for a little bit. And along the way, I auditioned for a TV show. It was called Welcome to Paradise. It was like a re like one of the first original reality shows. It was basically going to be real world on steroids on a tropical island. It was going to be trouble. But I fit the mold pretty easily at that point. I was living a wild, crazy life. Now, for a little bit of a backstory, I grew up in church as a kid, but it was that was about it. I went to a church on a Sunday, but I wasn't involved in a youth group or anything of those like like that. So so um, I'd call myself a Christian, but I was definitely not living a life devoted and focused on Jesus. And so anyway, I, um, I got picked for that TV show. I mean, I was going to be, if you're looking for the typical 
you know, mold. I was going to be the party guy that I'm sure did a bunch of really dumb things on camera. Well, just a few weeks before filming it started, they called me and said, hey, the show got canceled. We lost our funding. Uh, you're not going to be on the show. So good luck. We might call you back if we have other shows in the future. So then I was like, well, now what do I do? I was on my brother's couch back in Indiana. I was a college dropout. Didn't really have a whole lot of skills that were going to make me a ton of dough. And so I got a phone call from my dad. You know, I hadn't lived with my dad in a long time. And he said, hey, I've got a job down here in Nashville if you want it. So I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. I started waiting. I started, uh, I worked at Journey Shoes Distribution Factory, which was really exciting. Just off the heels of getting ready to go be on a TV show and, and think my life was going to be so altered and so awesome. I was working for $10 an hour in a warehouse. And then I just decided, that, okay, this is not what I want my future to look like. So I went and started waiting tables. And if you've ever waited tables before, um, there's quite the party scene that can happen when it comes to wait staff and all that world. And so yep. I, um, I, I went dove full, full, full headlong into that. And then while I was waiting tables there, there was a lady named Verna who was a single mom. She was in her mid forties, uh, African American lady, probably the opposite of me. She's mid forties. I was a you know, she was, she's like six, two, I'm like five, nine. And she's just like mama. She just took on this role of like mom for everybody there. She saw us in all of our brokenness and all of the stuff going on in our life. And she invited me to church and I was, I'd kind of gotten to that place where I was like, okay, I need something else other than this party life. And she was my security blanket. She took me to a church there in the Nashville area and I encountered Jesus and really had a moment where I had to kind of decide, was I actually going to live my life for him or for myself? And so it was October 13th, 2002, that I was all alone on a, on a street block in downtown Nashville in between this church service and kind of a new members meeting that I had just stopped. And I remember where I was standing. I even have a picture of it here on my wall, sitting right behind me in my office to remind me that I gave everything to Jesus that day. And my life was his, and I was ready for the adventure that, that he wanted to call me on. And so that was kind of the beginning of, of my encounter with Christ. And um, yeah, it's been a pretty wild ride since then. Man, that's cool. Um, so y- you had this moment, you you essentially you lost everything that you thought you were moving towards, which was the show and, you know, this party lifestyle and these things you, you gave your life to the Lord. Um, and then what happened then? Uh, from my understanding, there was a circle back to that, to that life in Hollywood. Is that correct? Yeah. So I make this decision and I'm just like, okay, I don't know what that TV show thing was a few months ago. I guess I wasn't supposed to do it, but Jesus, I'm trying to figure out how to live my life for you. And so yeah. it started off real practical, like, okay, um, I'm going to stop dating for a little while because I mean, there's a lot of things I had done in that arena that got me in trouble. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to just real simply and cleanly, like, let's not date. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm going to stop drinking alcohol. Um, you know, I could justify it all day long. Well, I just like the taste of it. Like, yeah, but you like lemonade too. So just go ahead and drink that. And just give yourself a little bit of a break and just so you can have some clarity and some peace in your life and, you know, remove some of these distractions that helped me kind of like walk down this crazy road. And then so I'm just like I'm still waiting tables. My life has totally changed. I'm trying to figure out what my future looked like. I'm like, well, maybe I go back to college. I don't know. And then 
I get a phone call from the producers of that show. And they said, Chris, we've got a new show. And obviously we do casting for multiple different uh, production companies. And we are casting for Real World and Road Rules on MTV. We really liked who you were. We liked your story. We liked you know, the angle that you would be playing on TV, I guess, as yourself. Would you like to be involved in this next round of casting? And I was like, well, a lot's changed in my life since the last time you met me. I'm not really that guy. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, well, like, I don't really party like that anymore. Like, I'm actually really happy in my life. and I'm trying to, like, you know, live my life for Jesus. I'm, I'm a Christian now. <laughs> and they were like, they loved it. They loved every ounce of that story because in their minds, they're they're playing out the drama of me yeah. in an RV you know, just like on camera 24 hours a day, like this will be great. This is a reality train wreck waiting to happen. And yeah. so, so yeah, I just started going down that path and um, ultimately ended up as a cast member on Road Rules South Pacific. Man, that's wild. So, so what was it actually like? Was it the dramatic train wreck that they were probably anticipating or were, were there some unique opportunities for you now that you had kind of given your life to the Lord to uh, do that experience differently? What, what was that process like? Yeah, I mean, I think going in, um, when people ask all the time about reality TV, I mean, people were always like, oh, it's staged, man, staged. And I'm like, from my experience, it, it wasn't staged. Look, these these guys make millions of dollars putting together people who have a certain set of, I would maybe a lack of a better word, issues or personalities. They know that drama is coming. That's just it's just yeah. you know, we take big tests with a lot of questions. They know who we are going in. And so at the end of the day, people go, man, they didn't show me who I really was. Like, got to think about it. These cameras are on you 24 hours a day for weeks and months at a time. They are only going to show what they see. These editors are editing it. You give them enough to show them. Now, at the end of the day, like, you got to be smart. You got to be cautious about it. And so at the end of the day, it was it was, it was was a very interesting scenario. I, I wanted to relax and be myself, but I also was, like, filtering my words as I was talking. So the words that have come out of my mouth had already kind of been filtered. Like, how would this be perceived in post? Does this honor the person that they're asking me a question about? How could this be spawn? It was mentally, it was, it was a, it was a lot, it was a lot of work and I was mentally drained when it was all over, but I was trying to do the best I can to be represent representative of Christ but at the same time, like be representative of Christ when it came to love and compassion and serving my cast members and the people who were on the production team. So at the end of the day, when when they did it, they went to post and they were editing and all that and showing what we did. They actually had something that I believe I'm actually to this day, I'm, I don't believe I'm, I'm really proud of the way that it all turned out because it could have it could have gotten ugly. But um but the way it all played out was really good. And got a, I got an opportunity to build relationships with my friends, on, with the cast members on the show. One of the guys and I actually ended up in each other's uh, weddings. You know, he's one of my best friends. We, we talk all the time. And, uh, yeah, one of the coolest pieces of the entire equation, there's, there's a cast member on there. His name's Dave. And he was the lead actor in the TV show Grimm. And he's on another show right now. I can't remember the name of it. But um, Dave's a great guy. And. 
it was right before the we were ending. We had we had wrapped filming in New Zealand and Tahiti, and we were back in Los Angeles. And I was in the hotel room, and I was just reading my Bible. And it was really this was like my first Bible. <laughs> you know, when I got saved, I, I really didn't know much about. I mean, I went to church growing up, and I could tell you some of the stories, but the whole idea of like having a Bible and actually reading my Bible every day and just like encountering God through His Scriptures was just so foreign to me. And so this was like my first Bible. I was reading it through the through the show. People would walk over and go, Chris, what are you reading today? What do you what do you got? What do you got for me? You know, like cast members. And I was in my hotel room. We were doing some post video work, kind of wrapping up before we all flew out. And and I was sitting there and I was reading and I really felt like God was like, give your Bible to Dave. Like, give your Bible today. I'm like, give my Bible to Dave. What are you talking? Like, what, you know, who, I don't know who I'm talking. I guess I'm talking to the Holy Spirit in the room or something. It was, people probably thought I was crazy if they were in the room. It was just me by myself. And, and Dave and I weren't like supposed to see each other again or whatever. We all kind of gone our other ways. And I'm just kind of like talking to myself back and forth. And then all of a sudden there's a knock on my door in my hotel room. And I was like, what, what's going on? Who's that? And I opened the door and it's Dave. And I was like, Huh. I was like, all right. Hey, man, come here. <laughs> I'm supposed to give you this. And, you know, I mean, like people could say like, all right, Chris, it's spooky or it's happenstance, whatever it is. Like in that moment, I felt like I heard God tell me to do something. So I did it. And so, um, so yeah, that was a that was a fun little experience. But at the end of the day, I got to share Christ and, and be Christ and, and, you know, continue friendships with a couple of them after the show. And, you know, when when life hits and someone says, hey, I need prayer, they may not know what they what that means but they know there's someone they can call that may not be normally in their world to say hey chris can can you help me because crisis is hit and so yeah man it was a it was a great experience it was an awesome opportunity i'm so so thankful for it i think that's such a cool picture of what a lot of guys get and I was like this for a long time, getting kind of frozen in this idea that, like, I don't know enough of my Bible. Um, I'm not Christian enough. Like, I'm, I haven't become enough like Jesus to, like, be an example to other people or to, like, share my faith or anything like that. But, like, it sounds like simply you just being faithful to walk the life that, that God had now called you to, which is, you know— being diligent in the word and just kind of being prayerful and, and, and trying to be an example to the world indeed of who Christ is. Um, that alone was preaching to the world around you. And it wasn't this weird, it, it like a uh, religious freak like type of experience that maybe the, the producers thought it would have been right. Is that a fair assessment? Like p- people don't need to be like ready to be, showing Jesus to the world. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think for me, it was, was one of those deals like, you know, I mean, I think in anything you look back now that I'm 38 years old, you look back and go, God, I was so clueless at 22, (laughs) but, but like God's grace was good. And he, and he gave me the tools that I needed in that season. And ultimately his spirit and his grace to help me through that season and, you know, there's been a lot of growth and hopefully humility and maturity that's happened since then. But, yeah, I mean, I he gave me what I needed and he opened the door that I should walk through. And the thing it's so interesting, man, from I had a moment right before I had gotten called to the show and um, 
really kind of the, the, the way it all went down was I didn't originally get picked to be one of the cast members. And so that threw me for a second because I was like, God, like, why did you open this door back up again for me to not go on the show? And so I just kind of went on a wrestle for a little bit to like, okay. And I just, about a month later, I, I just said to, to the Lord, I said, look, if you ever want me to be on a TV show, great. But I'm not trying to pursue that world or that stuff anymore. And so I'll go back to college and I'll, I'll just figure out what the next step looks like. Well, the very next day, I got a phone call from the producer of the show down in New Zealand. Hey, Chris, my name is Kevin Lee. I'm the producer here on Road Rules, and um, there has been a fight. One of the other cast members has punched one of the other cast members, and he has been removed from the show. The question I have to ask you is, would you like to be the next cast member of Road Rules South Pacific? <laughs> I was like, what? And I was like, <laughs> okay, you need to be on a plane tomorrow just so you can come down here and be on the next, oh, we're going to film in three days, start filming again in three days and we need you down here. So it was in that moment that I just really, like, it was just so cool to see me go, whatever you want, Jesus. And he was just trying to work on my heart because he knew that if I hadn't gotten some things right in my guts and in my soul before I stepped onto a national stage as a 22 year old trying to represent Jesus, and I'd just gotten saved a few months prior that um, it, it could have very much wrecked like the plans that God was doing. I mean, he's sovereign, he's good, but like, I, you know, I'd have to have that out there for the world for the rest of my life. And so he needed me to do some work on my heart. And the, the interesting piece was, is, you know, from a church perspective, and I, I think these guys' hearts were really good, but I had some friends that were just a couple years ahead of me and quote unquote, they'd be like spiritual leaders in my life. And I was like, Hey, I got a phone call. I got a phone call to go to, to go on the show and to go on MTV. And, you know, I mean, it's like almost like heresy at the, <laughs> for anybody in the church world. Like, wait, what? And mm -hmm. I was like, I just feel like God wants me to do this. And am I, it, also my plane is leaving in three hours. You know, like I've, I'm throwing some stuff in a suitcase. And after this conversation, I'm getting ready to go hop on a plane to LA so that I can fly to New Zealand. And they looked at me and they said, bro, we don't think you should go. And I was like, what? I was like, are you for real? And I'm like, you know, I'm new to this whole like authority, Christian, like trusting, like this whole thing. I mean, you imagine I, I had four dads growing up. So like me and authority, just I've had a lot of work to do there in my life. And they were like, we don't think you should go. And I'm like, but I think I should go. And they're like, yeah, but but if we're wrong, we have to give an account to God for that. But you, you'd be right in honoring us as your leaders. And I was like, oh boy, what what do I do now? Because like I'm like, well, Lord, I don't I don't know what the right thing to do here is. And I think at the end of the day, these guys' hearts were good. They they were young as well, and and I think you know it was a real kind of authoritative uh, spiritual environment. But then we had a our 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 leader, our pastor or whatever, his, his uh, mom had passed away and he was at a funeral in Louisiana and I hadn't got a chance to talk to him at all yet. And he calls right in the middle of that lunch and we explain what's happening. And I, it, you know, this dude was intense. Like he was super intense. I just thought, Oh, he's going to double down. He's going to double down on what these dudes are saying. And then I have to really make a decision and go, shoot, 
do I just go, y'all are crazy. Peace out. I'm going to New Zealand, <laughs> you know, or, or do I, and so we tell the whole story, they tell him the whole story and they hand the phone to me. And he said, Chris, I said, yes, sir. He said, I believe that God's been preparing you for this moment. And I totally think you should go do this. And I was like, whew, that, that was close. <laughs> and so I was oh, like, man. I agree. Let's go. And and those guys were like, well, if pastor thinks it's good, then we're, we're good with it. And it was just like, it was one of those first encounters for me as a, as a, as a man, as a, as a Christian trying to figure out, understand authority and what, what I feel like God's teaching me or God's telling me to do versus what's right and what's wrong. And so you know, we, we all encounter those, especially as men, like trying to go like, okay, what's the best decision I can make right here? What honors God? What honors those in my life? And and who's giving me this advice and, and should I take it or not? So it all worked out, but it was, man, it was one of those very first encounters for me that was just so intense from a spiritual leadership perspective that I've, I've never really forgotten and, and, and also tried to carry myself as a, as a leader years as pastor and all that to just go, look, your words carry weight and you are a representative of the creator of the universe. So don't take that lightly and uh, be really choice with your words because they, they, they really do mean a lot. I think it says a lot about kind of your patience too, at least in, in that moment. I don't know what, what it looked like for you at, at 22. Um, I know you're patient now, but um, I'd <laughs> like, to, to listen to these guys kind of crushing your dreams and to, to like choose your words wisely to really try to discern and then take time to like get the other pastor on the phone. I think, uh, many of us and myself included at 22, I would have been like, you know, screw off guys. I'm going to New Zealand. Like, <laughs> you, you're like and I, I've, I've grown a lot since then, but, um, you know, yeah, that's cool. I, I love that story. It, it, so, you know, you, you went off, you did these things with road rules. Um, sounds like I think the eternal impact of some of the faithfulness, even as a new Christian in that season is yet to be seen, um, in the future, which is going to be really cool to, to look back on. But fast forward, I mean, you, you did 12 years of ministry. You've, you're an entrepreneur, you've started businesses. Like, so where did you go from there? And, and like, what propelled you from road rules to full-time ministry? Yeah. So I, you know, I, gosh, if someone would have said at any point in my life, even, even to the point where, where I became a pastor, I would be like, you're hilarious. I'm never going to be a pastor. Like I am not that guy. But when I came out of the show, um, there were a lot of opportunities for me to kind of travel around and speak and specifically like youth groups and conferences and things like that. Like you're Chris from MTV. There's a, you know, the, the Christian market and world takes a bit. I just don't take advantage of that. I mean, they're, they're clearly paying me and I was showing up and I was speaking. It was fun and God was moving. And I discovered that like, I'm pretty decent at this whole speaking at church events thing. And I ended up at a church in North Carolina and I, I had, I was there for like three days. I was doing like school rallies and I was doing events at the church and preaching on the weekend. And at the end of it, they kind of said like, Hey, would you want to be our youth pastor? And I was like, God, I don't know. I'm like, I'm a, like, I dropped out of college. Like, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just the guy who's on MTV. Like I love Jesus. I'm pretty passionate. And 
And so, and then I look over my wife and we had just had our first child. And then I realized the whole instability of the travel and speaking and, you know, it could be feast or famine and we needed insurance and, you know, the kind of the grown up adult stuff. Um, and so I decided to say yes. And it took me on this journey of years of working in and out of churches and different roles and different opportunities. And I'll say this, I am so thankful that I went down that path because being Chris from MTV where, you know, you walk down the street of Iowa where you've never been before, even the streets of New York and people know you and see you, that is not a, um, it's really not a natural thing. Like you're not necessarily supposed to, this whole celebrity thing. I mean, I tasted a small, small dose of, of that life you know, walk the red carpet, the MTV Video Music Awards, all those things, all the things the world tells you are, are great. But I can't imagine if I would have um, not gone down the journey of working at churches and um, really kind of learning to be under and seeing healthy environments and not so healthy environments, that that path really, I think, helped mature me and stretch me and um, gave me an opportunity to kind of grow a little bit in obscurity where no one was really watching. I mean, I was still on staff at churches and I was still in a public role, but it wasn't like my face was all over and thank God Instagram and all the other stuff that's out there wasn't really in place because um, I, I don't think I'd be nearly the man that I am today if I would have just kept being Chris the speaker guy because I would have probably not developed much my depth and my leadership and even understanding serving others and so many different things I wouldn't have been able to do and grow in. So I'm very glad that that road took me down that way. And now as I come on the other side of it, um, now that I've got a couple podcasts and I'm an entrepreneur and God's kind of opening some doors for me to hopefully be a voice and help serve people, um, I feel like there's some there's a little bit more weight in my life where I can actually say something that truly matters. Yeah, that's such a cool story. Um, I, I think God's always preparing us for for what's next, and um, I, I think that um, that's probably a good segue. I, I'd love to hear, and I'd love for you to share. Like what, what did that lead you into? You, you mentioned just a minute ago, a couple podcasts and businesses. Like, so you, you did this stint of, you know, I think what, 12 years of ministry and now you're in the entrepreneur space and working on some different things. What does life look like for you guys today? What are some of the projects you're working on? And, um, how do you guys do that with, uh, you said five kids and all the family. Yeah, I mean it's it's an awesome wild ride. I, I never could have imagined the life that I'm currently living right now. Um, it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So while I was a pastor, um, things had kind of gotten in a good spot. The church was in a good place. I was a campus pastor, but really, really great church. And um, quite honestly, like I think most a lot of guys who are in ministry. Th- would have loved to have been in the role that I was in, but there was definitely something inside of me that was like, okay, like I think it's time for me to build something. I want to build a business. 
I want to be an entrepreneur. Um, I love the pastor thing. And I think sometimes guys get into being a pastor because they can communicate well and they love Jesus in their 20s or 19 or 25 or whatever. And someone goes, hey, man, you, you'd be a great pastor. And I don't think that there's that that's a bad thing. But I do think like there's probably some guys who look up and they're like, okay, I've done this pastor thing for 10 years, 15 years now, and it's been good, but is this the long game for me? And that's really a hard wrestle for a lot of dudes. The guys that, and, and I get the phone calls because who the heck do they talk to? They're like, can we talk? Cause I feel like if I do go do entrepreneurship, that like I'm letting God down. I stood in front of like a church 20 years ago and I said, I'm called to X, Y, or Z. And I just try and encourage him. I'm like, look, you're called to Jesus. And yeah, he's given you strengths and talents, but seasons shift and things happen and, you know, different things happen to your family. And you, you know, I mean, if you, you want to provide a, maybe a better house or a better scenario for your, for your bride, I mean, you know, none of us should be getting rich off of the church. So what does that look like? And so for me, I was like, okay, um, I've got to drive to be an entrepreneur. It's never been easier to start a business in the history of the world with technology and all the things you could do with e-commerce and just a million different avenues. You can open up a bedroom in your house, start making money today, which is so cool and also kind of scary as well. But, but um, yeah, so I decided that while I was doing my day job, um, working at a church that I wanted to build a business. And so I started building an Amazon business and it blew my mind what it did and the doors that it opened and the amount of, you know, freedom my family was supposed to be able to have financially. And so kind of got to that point where it was like, all right, um, this job, this role, this, this opportunity has been absolutely amazing. I'm so thankful for this place, but there's someone else that needs this seat because uh, I think my season in this seat is done. And so we took this big jump into the land of entrepreneurship. And it's been a, one of the greatest rides we've ever taken. And, and alongside of that, it's been neat to see my wife and see kind of the deal where she was like, I'm raising five kids and all that or whatever. But we started doing a podcast together. It's called Live It Well. And it's this whole idea of helping couples have spiritual growth conversations and different things they could walk through. And we interview some great people, but it's what's the neatest thing for me is when my, my wife looked at me and she told me a few weeks or months into us doing this podcast. And she's like, don't ever let me not do something that I was born to do or that I love to do ever again. I'm like, yes, ma'am, you got it. And so she went to, she, you know, she was in the season of birthing children and being mom and pastor's wife and all that. But, you know, it's just so important for her to do something that helps her come alive. And so we do this podcast, we interview great people and that's tons of fun. And so our whole thing is like, look, no one, not a lot of people are talking to couples about spiritual growth, not necessarily like marriage, but just like, look, how do you grow spiritually as an individual? And then how do you grow collectively as a couple? What does that look like? What do the conversations look like? And so we're trying to further that conversation with that podcast. And then I'm the CEO of a company called Startup Camp. And we are all about helping people build their business from scratch. And we're trying to help them do it as fast and easy as possible. We've got a couple, we've got an Amazon course that I teach. We have a Shopify course. We've got one for photography. And so we're only building out more of those as we go. But um, we just know that, you know, people 
necessarily don't know how to get started. They just need the kind of the blueprint and the map to help them get there. And trying to be, you know, there's how many people are waving their hands at you on social media and ads and all that, trying to go, hey, buy my course, buy my course, buy my course. We're just trying to be this place where it's like, it's a safe place, it's a fun place, there's community being built there. And you can know that when you come, you're going to get quality products. And so we've got a podcast, we've got a bunch of art, free articles and resources and tools to help you get started if you don't buy a course. But, you know, if you come to the... Coming to the family, it's uh, it's a lot of fun, and we're seeing people's lives change. And so, yeah, man, that's a uh, that's what I do right now. And there's there's tons of cool opportunities and projects on the horizon. But but day in day out, I'm uh, loving my wife, loving my kids, trying to serve them well, and at the same time build some things that I can really be proud of, and um, hold my head up high on, and not have to worry that I've compromised in some way. So that's, that's what I do today. And that's cool. So started businesses, um, launched some podcasts, like working on some passion projects. I, I love what you said about kind of drawing out what brings your wife to life. And I think that, um, that's such a, a an interesting picture of our relationship with Jesus too. <laughs> like what he, uh, you know, as you saw, you give your life to the Lord and over the course of time, he just starts to reveal and draw things out in us that he originally had placed in us. And as a husband, I think it's so important for us to, to really call our wife into deeper um, waters of and it's so easy. We we see it in our family to just get caught up in, you know, doing the kids and the uh, the home thing and, and, you know, not having time or energy. But like when you do do those things and as a husband, if we can encourage it, like, man, they just come to life. And it's so cool to see some of those experiences happen. Um, well, yeah. One, one of the things, if you don't mind, I'm going to speak to this. Yeah, like, please. One of the things that we ended up doing is that. Well, I'm, you know, when I was a pastor, I would have Fridays off because, you know, obviously you work on the weekends. And so, you know, a real practical thing that we discovered was like, hey, if you just go out into the world and you get Fridays, she knows Friday's coming where she can work on whatever she wants. She can go do her own thing. And so even to this day, we, we carry that same thing forward because for her, she goes out to the real world and she studies or works on the podcast or business or she's whatever it is, meeting with people. She gets a moment to just be reminded of, of who she is with, with all the noise and all the clutter gone. And so it's um it's definitely something that when other women hear that, they go, wow, that's amazing. And so I think there's just this place when you put value on that, like for her. For Jenny, she knows that like I love her and I value her. And I tell her that because I'm a words guy. But I also show her that by giving her the time that she needs to recoup and re, you know re, rejuvenate and kind of come back to where she walks back in the house. And she's just like geeked to be there because she's just rediscovered and been reminded of who she is. And she's more than just a mom. Mom's great. And she loves being mom. She loves being wife and all friend, best friend and all those things. But 
but she's first the daughter of Christ. And, and sometimes she just need a moment to kind of get quiet, to have that. So that's a piece of advice that for any guys out there listening, um, do that and watch what it does for your life and does for your wife. Yeah, it's transformative. I love that. That's great advice. Um, so I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, let's couple couple questions that just practical for the guys listening. Um, things that have impacted you in your journey, um, whether that's business, spiritual, marriage. Um, talk to us about what are some of your favorite things that you recommend resource wise, like books, podcasts, courses, videos, etc. Man, and it could be all books if you want it to be, or it could be all, <laughs> you know, yeah, whatever you're, yeah. There's so much great stuff out there. Obviously, there's a lot of some really good stuff, and there's not some great stuff. There's a book I read a few years ago that really rocked my world. It was one of my my leaders at the time gave it to me. It's called Leadership and Self Deception, and it's by the Arbinger Group. It's not even by a person. It's by like a, a group, and it's a it's actually a fictional story, but the is probably one of the most influential books. Not probably. It it literally changed my life. And it's this whole idea of the way you see people and, you know, the way you see them is how you interpret their role for you and are you serving them or them serving you. And so, so yeah, I mean, that book was really huge. And so out of, out of that, I would, I would say you jump on that because that's, that's pretty special. Um, and then I would also just say like from, from a context perspective, the thing that's really changed my life, I wouldn't say from a resource perspective, I mean, ultimately it comes down to Jesus. I had a, I had a team member the other day that asked me a question he was like, Chris, like, do you have like a mantra that you like try and live by or uh, like a phrase or whatever? And I just told him, I said, look, Jesus had all authority on the entire, entire universe. And in that moment he took off his clothes he wrapped a towel around his waist and he washed the feet of the people around him. And so the older I get and the more I do this every day, I try and walk postured in a way that I'm like, how can I serve the person that's directly in front of me and, and actually be real? Not for like some kind of like I'm serving them so I could get something, but really just go like, all right, God, like what are you trying to say to this person right here? And so Obviously, you know, I'm not trying to Jesus juke, but I mean, that's, that's scripture. It's, that's Christ. And so if we can, we can serve and, and have a servant's heart in all areas, business, family, life, our kids, you know, it's easier said than done. Jeez, I'm, I'm a human being, you know, <clears throat> I mess up all the time, but, but ultimately, um, my goal every day is to, to try and outserve and love people every, no matter where they come from, if it's a, Stranger at Starbucks or if it's a if it's a friend on a phone call. So I'm just trying to be a servant. Those are those are a couple of things, thoughts, nuggets I would say for the audience. Yeah, that's solid gold. I think all of us could use that reminder and encouragement. Um, cool. Well, how do we keep in touch with you? Uh, what are some of the ways people can keep track of what projects you're working on, businesses you're doing, that kind of stuff? I'm really bad on, on social. I'm trying to get better at it. You know, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and all that jazz, but, um, this Chris, good luck trying to spell my last name, Gravy. But, um, if you go to startupcamp.com, you can see all the important things that are going on there and you go to let's live it well.com. You can 
check out what, what my wife and I are doing and we've got some cool projects in the mix. And so, yeah, man, just, uh, I'm trying to build some stuff that I'm really proud of that I'm not compromising on what's important to me and my life and my family, and my values. And so hopefully, you know, sometimes that plays itself out different than, than maybe what we want. Cause you could run the hacks and you could run the games and you could post a billion times and you could, really start to grow an audience and a following, but for what? So in the meantime, I'm trying to just be a guy that's, that's again, serving and creating things that I'm proud of, but ultimately will serve people as well. So you can find both of those at startupcamp.com and letsliveitwell.com. Awesome. Well, this is a wealth of information. We love your heart. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I know it's going to really impact some people and encourage them. So um, really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, glad to be here. Appreciate it, man. Excited for you.